Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. In today's episode, I speak with Michael Borthwick. Michael is a member of my email list, and he sort of emailed me out of the blue some months ago and told me about some things that were going on in his business that made me uh, immediately (laughs) excited and immediately want to invite him onto the show to uh, talk to you about what he's up to. There's a couple things that I think you'll find very interesting about Michael's business and our conversation. One is that he focuses on startups, and I know for a lot of software developers, the idea of generating leads and doing work with uh, tech startups, software startups, is immensely appealing. I have opinions about that. I'm going to uh, kind of not go into those. Uh, Most of my opinions are that startups are not particularly great clients, but I understand the appeal. The problem from a positioning and lead generation perspective with startups is that they tend to be invisible until it's too late, meaning they don't exist until they do exist. And then when they do exist, they need the kind of you know talent or skill or expertise that you may have to offer, and they need it right away. And what's missing from that is their awareness of you, their uh, you know sort of presence to, to give you a sales cycle to hook into, that doesn't happen until it's too late, typically. Now, people who have an advantage when it comes to startup lead generation tend to have a geographic proximity advantage or some kind of networking relationship advantage. But it's very difficult to do lead generation that focuses on start. It's typically very difficult to do lead generation that focuses specifically on startups. They're just kind of, you know, hard to find. They're sort of embedded in the world of, you know, business potential, but that potential doesn't really become real in a way that you can identify and target usually until it's too late. But Mike has a very interesting story about doing lead generation that's focused on startups that I think you'll be interested in hearing. He also has um, shares a little bit about the experience of finding a hole in the market, a thing that has value a need, a problem that has value if a solution were to exist, but no one has really put a lot of energy into developing that solution, at least at a big enough scale. And so Mike, in this interview, shares his experience of identifying a hole in the market. And I think those are the things that are perhaps most interesting about my conversation with Mike, but there's more too. Check it out. We're live. Michael, Mike, welcome. Is it Michael? Michael. <laughs> Mike is good, yeah. Okay, glad to have you on the show. Mike, who are you and what do you do? Hey, uh, I'm Michael Borswick. I have two companies. I do software development for a company I own called New Dot Spot. And recently, I did a little pivot into software road mapping with a company called Servum Consulting. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Um, I, I wanted to have you on the show because you wrote me this email um, a little earlier last year, I guess, in December. You said, um, quote, I wanted to tell you that my phone has been going crazy ever since, and I blame you for that. <laughs> and uh, I accept partial blame, but you, you did the work of causing this thing to happen that's got your phone ringing off the hook. So let's start with that and then kind of fill in the other details. So what, what caused your phone to start go ringing 
crazy off the hook. Well, you you spent some time talking about it really trying to hammer into into our heads i think of this uh, concept of niching down and yeah and trying to find something to specialize in and one of the other topics that i keyed off of was trying to find a topic that i was really passionate about mm-hmm. and it turned out that i had just written a rant about two days before i heard that piece of advice on founders and entrepreneurs not spending enough time uh, detailing and documenting their ideas for software. Huh. So I decided that that was where I was most passionate and uh-huh. I found a niche to get into called software roadmapping. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a blue ocean kind of area. Cause it, even right now, if you Google software roadmapping, you can't find anything interesting on it. And what you do find is, you know, product roadmapping or you, you find ideas around business plans or business mm-hmm. canvas. You don't really have that piece that will set up a software developer to actually be able to implement the big idea. Oh, interesting. You know, you're, yeah, you're right. Uh, not that you would be wrong, but uh, I really agree because you see um, mature software products have a product roadmap, but yeah. you, are you, are you talking specifically about, the usage of a roadmap for a new idea or a new piece of software. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. There's a big old hole in the market right there. <laughs> and it was, it was fun to discover that. And the more I talked to uh, founders, um, the more I got an idea that they really had no clues to how to go and do it. They mm-hmm. just assumed they would find a developer kind of like me mm-hmm. and then, they, we would know how to do that somehow. We would just magically be able to pull that idea right out of their head and turn it into code. And that's just not the case. I don't think developers are trained in how to do that at all. In fact, as a developer, I was very uncomfortable trying to produce any content or in our case, we put together a workshop for five startups to run, run them through five days of this process. But I had to team up with a user experience architect who mm-hmm. had that experience in UX and mm-hmm. who has a lot of experience in getting into the founders heads. And so what, what ended up happening was we teamed up and we broke it up into two separate components. And I, we broke that idea gathering part into the first two days and then in the last three days, we talked about work breakdown sheets and functional requirement documentations. And, and that, was, that was good. But mm-hmm. I think the reason why our phone uh, exploded the next day after that course was over was because it ended up being about a lot more than just doing software road mapping. We ended up having a lot of conversations about how everything connected. Mm-hmm. I think... If I look back on the content, the value of the content was in teaching these founders how things like lean and agile line up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm starting to run out of breath. I'm so excited about the idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me throw in some questions because um, I, I, normal, normally when I do a podcast interview with someone, I kind of know what's going on to a greater extent than I do here. And I'm loving discovering this for the first time, like simultaneous with my audience almost. So I'm going to circle back a little bit. That word passion is so loaded, right? It's, it's such a, it means whatever you want it to mean. And if you're an HR department for a company that 
<laughs> like exploits their workers. It means you'll work overtime and not complain about it. You'll sacrifice your personal life. So I, I doubt that's what you mean here, but you said you were kind of passionate about this idea of software roadmapping. What does that mean specifically for you? Oh, yeah, so I was really frustrated with seeing founders and entrepreneurs come into my office with, you know, they just cashed the check on the second mortgage of their house. Or uh-huh. They want to spend the golden parachute to to pivot out of whatever industry they were in before by doing a startup. And, and that's just... It was just so hard to sit there and tell them that I can't help them until they go through and do all these other things. And, and there was no one that I could refer them to that, does, that did these mm-hmm. things. And okay. I really wanted to be as helpful as I possibly could, but it just, yeah. Interesting. So from their perspective, it was like they were ready to go on, buy their dream house, but they needed something to happen before they could do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, one of the things that a lot of folks struggle with who are maybe in a sort of similar position to you is some idea they can get behind that where they can promote the idea so they don't feel like they're having to promote themselves. Do you have that now? <laughs> Do you have this <laughs> thing that you feel like is a kind of big idea that you're you're sort of promoting this big idea? I do. Yeah. It's it's uh it's an interesting problem to have. I've been working behind a keyboard, writing code at uh-huh. the line by line level for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I'm finally, I'm turning around and I'm looking outside and I'm talking to people, which is probably a terrifying concept for a lot of people who write code. Right? <laughs> it is. And, and I sympathize. Yeah, it is. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, they say personal growth happens when you're most uncomfortable. So I am growing like crazy these days, I got to say. So what does it look like to promote this big idea? Um, are, are you doing things differently now or does it, is it just something you bring up when you get an inbound lead come in or ha- has it changed the dynamic of how you um, market your business? So there's the concept of product ladder. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to do is... Um, try to come up with those things and get them organized in a specific way. And there's a gentleman here in Calgary named Neville Chamberlain. Uh, yeah. He's been helping me work on that. He's the one mm-hmm. who introduced me to you actually. Okay. And uh, so he's been helping me a lot in that area. One of the things that we're, we started with was this workshop mm-hmm. and we thought if we could just run one workshop for six startups and it was well, then maybe one of them would turn into an, an embassy and, ambassador for us <laughs> and we ended yeah. up getting referrals for the last three weeks they just keep coming in from all six people who participated in our workshop and that's wow that okay, is just so you were hoping totally for different. one of six you know less than 20 percent and 100 percent are spreading the word about you sending people your way is that right that's right yeah. okay that is a weird thing to happen that how does that feel? I mean, you said weird, but does it feel a little bit unreal? Like, am it I dreaming? Is. Kind of a thing. It is a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little, a little. I mean, let's see. I could go and I could do networking events for about three years, twice a week, and I wouldn't get as many warm leads. <laughs> so let me ask some tactical questions about the workshop. How did you develop the content for it? Uh, well, I'd, I'd, 
actually mean, studied but, English in university. So the first thing okay. I did was I wrote an outline of what I thought the content should be. Good man. Yes, yes, yes. And, <laughs> and then I wrote a paragraph to describe each piece of content. And then threw that out and started all over again about six times. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, you know, it's not like I spent six hours writing content for something that I had to cut. It was a really good way to organize and get my thoughts yeah. together. And then I started going deeper and deeper on each piece. And then we started developing actual slides for the presentation and the handouts and the materials. Okay. There were a lot of those, but yeah. How long did that take? We started in May mm -hmm. with the original idea. We ran our workshop in December, first week of December. Okay. How much of it was, uh, okay, two questions. How much of the content was you like lecturing or talking and how much was people doing things? We, we really wanted it to be a workshop. We wanted to make sure that when they, they were there, they were working on things. Yeah. And so it was probably a 50-50 split between lecture and workshop. Okay. Um, how did you secure a venue or where did it happen? How did you make that stuff happen? <laughs> uh, we, were, we were incredibly fortunate that uh, one of the startups, uh, mm -hmm. AccuSpire, the mm -hmm. guy's name is uh, Stephen Wensley. He also owns a co-working space. Aha. Uh -huh. so, Lucky as, you. <laughs> so he was very kind and offered us the space for free. Nice. Okay. What was your backup plan if you didn't have something like that show up? The city library has free space of a suitable size that we could use. Nice. And most cities do. It's, it's yeah. an underutilized resource for stuff like this. Did you um, charge people for the workshop? Uh, no, this first one we ran for free. Okay. You might have mentioned that, but I forgot. Okay. So that was free. Do you think you'll charge for future ones or will they be free as lead gen for you? Or how do you see that happening? Uh, no, we are charging for the next ones. It's pretty lengthy. It's five day long workshop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that answers my a lot of questions about that. What was your biggest fear about putting a workshop like this on? Have you, have you ever gotten them in front of a group of people and led them through something like this? I have. I've done okay. a number of presentations and workshops in the past, but small, okay. like, one or two hours max. Oh, okay. So what, what kind of concerns did you have about it? Yeah, uh, value for the end users. Mm -hmm. so we were asking them to spend five days working with us. And that was a big ask. We weren't sure if we could even get that from people. We set a goal to fill seats, mm -hmm. uh, five seats. We gave ourselves 12 days to find five people to fill those seats. And we ended up finding 14. Mm. 12 days so we actually had to cut some people oh wow uncomfortable oh how interesting so how did you uh, get people interested how did you contact prospective uh, attendees and how did that all happen uh so we had some we placed some rules around it as well so i wasn't allowed to reach out to any of my existing customer base which is oh interesting because <laughs> that would be too easy yeah it wouldn't be a good test for the marketplace. So we tapped um, here in Calgary. We're really lucky. A gentleman here by the name of Tony Grimes organizes a meetup once a month called Pixels and Pints. He's been doing it for eight years. Uh -huh. And it's just people in the industry who just get together. And he's got like 25, 2,700 people on the mailing list. And so we tapped that pretty hard. Okay. 
and we got half of our people from there. And then the rest came from other smaller networks like uh, Rainforest Alberta, um, Innovate Calgary, um, mm-hmm. Entrepreneur Center down at ATB. Mm-hmm. I'm blown away. <laughs> okay, so uh, you put a lot of effort into this. It, it sounds, when I say risky, not like it would have put you out of business or something, but you had a lot of eggs in one basket, it seems like. Uh, it seems like. Did, did it feel that way? No, not really. Okay, okay, okay. No. Well, it's like my business partner in this, Eric Orman, he's doing, he's, he does this part-time. He's full-time employed still at his day job. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm solopreneur with my other job. Uh-huh. Ish. I still call it a job. I should get over that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've, so for me, finding time to do this was, it was a little bit more flexible for me than for him. So he, he might disagree with that statement that I just I see. Made. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, if you could go back to March or May, whenever you started this, and tell yourself something to make it go easier or better, <laughs> what would you whisper in your own ear? Uh, I would tell myself to spend more time working on it to get there faster. Ah, okay. I didn't... Uh, I don't think I focused on it quite as much as I should have or yes. could have for that point. Okay. I would want to do more. Okay. You would say, it's, it's really going to go great, Mike. <laughs> Put all you got into this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the, the two things that we all lack is focus and discipline. So I'd say, yeah, more focus, more discipline. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, have... So there've been referrals. Have those turned into work or uh, I don't know what the, like the sales cycle length is for what you sell. So maybe not yet, but yeah. I think Neville will take me to task on my sales. <laughs> process. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's been helping me try to understand what the, what the sales process looks like with his tornado method and stuff like that. He's actually running a workshop on that one himself pretty soon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but it, Christmas kind of happened right after. Yes. There's this two week break where people just don't do anything. And coming back here January 2nd to pick up some steam and try to get going. And plus, I've got, I'm onboarding a client right now for the other business. So things are okay. kind of crazy in, in that regard. But I do have it on my to do list, priority number two, to follow up with all the people who participated in our first workshop. And, uh, and, and try to get some testimonials that I can put on the website to start that particular piece of marketing and sales. Try Got and get it. some going again. Okay. So now that this has been, um, I, I think we could say there's some validation or some proof that this fits with a need there in the market. What are you going to do next? Are you, are you, have you got the next one on the books or, you know, how yeah, will the, you? The next experiment is to try and sell it. Okay. Try and find people who are willing to spend $5,000 on this course and, okay. uh, and five days of their time. Yeah. You know, that'll be the, I think that'll be the big piece. That'll be the final piece of the puzzle as to whether or not this is viable. Yeah. So, um, Mike, why do you think you're the first person who's offered something like this as far as you can tell? 
I didn't go too deep on competitive analysis, so I can't really say. I think there might be other people out there who do something similar. Okay. My attention, but they don't put it all together in the same type of package. What do you mean by that? Well, operation roadmap and software roadmapping in general isn't a useful tool. Right. Especially for communicating with your software team. But all, every, all the trappings that go around it about teaching entrepreneurs, you know, lean methodologies, you can go and learn lean methodologies anywhere. You can go and learn agile software development life cycles. You can go and learn um, usability and wireframing skills. You know, putting them all together in one package is, is uh, a unique concept, I suppose. Um, but the individual components themselves are not unique. Okay. Um, I just want to break the fourth wall here and tell folks who are listening to that. Um, just like hit the back, the repeat, go back 15 or 30 seconds button on your podcast player <laughs> and listen to that again because I think that's a huge concept that um, I think a lot of us sort of miss by shooting high or low there. Like if we're shooting low, we say, well, this is not revolutionary. This is not 100% unique. So forget it. It's not good enough. <laughs> or maybe that's, shoot, that's shooting high. And if we're shooting low, we're like, um, I don't know, we just dismiss the value of, I guess I'm really, it's the same thing. I, th I think the error most people make is they dismiss the value of packaging, right? And, and they don't see how that can produce its own value, even if the stuff you're packaging and combining together is not unique or not original. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think you're 100% uh, there. Um. So, Mike, what's uh, how do you think this is going to change your business? Mm. Ever since I can remember, uh, I've, I've always loved learning and I've always mm -hmm. loved teaching. Mm -hmm. And so the process of doing this and starting a business has given me an opportunity to learn so much and continually. I'm mm -hmm. always having to wear a new hat, which is fantastic. So, uh, And teaching, doing these workshops is... Uh, or even coaching one-on-one, -on -one, which is I have a meeting for later this week to talk to somebody about that as well, mm -hmm. is a, a huge opportunity uh, just personally. Um, makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm here in, an, in, an, in my office on a, on a weekday during the day, and I don't really feel like I'm working, you know? Yeah, right. That's cool. Um and one of the things that I'm very interested in is helping self-employed software developers find these kind of opportunities that you're talking about, you know, these opportunities to do, it's not, there's nothing wrong with coding, but to diversify their income or make their business more interesting by incorporating these other activities that are, they, they don't uh, look like coding at all. They're more like strategy, right? <laughs> Some, sometimes coding is just fun. <laughs> That's true. Solving That's problems true. with code is fun. I, That's true. For 15 years, it's not as much fun as it used to be, but you know, I have my days. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm really excited to hear about this new direction that you've discovered for your business. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for helping me find it. Is there anything about it that you think would be interesting to talk about that I've not been thoughtful enough to ask a, ask a question about? or something we've missed or glossed over? Uh, 
There's the, the whole thing kind of started with the two concepts of niching down and mm-hmm. finding something that you're passionate about and the differences mm-hmm. in, in what constitutes passion, I suppose. Right. One, of the, one of the concerns that I had when I first started this was that maybe I was niching down too small. Maybe just focusing on one particular part of the entire process of creating software was was getting too small. And as it turns out, it, you, I don't know if you can get too small niching down. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it, is it easier to get really small in your niche and then make it larger, or is it harder to start large and get small? The second is harder. Um, most people don't, uh, and, and I just say this in a purely objective way. Most people don't have the courage. Um, to go too small because there's a kind of defense mechanism, a psychological defense mechanism that kicks in and says, whoa, buddy, no way. That can't, <laughs> I, you know, I've talked to a few people who've gone ultra small in their focus, but most people kind of pull back when they feel like it's getting too small and it's not too small at that point, but they just fear that it is. And so the bigger problem I think is you start too big and it's, you know, your workshop where you hope to get five people gets two people. And you found your workshop where you wanted to get five people got 14 and you had to turn away eight people. That's, um, that's when you know you've really got something, I think, is when that dynamic prevails, when, um, when you get that kind of response. It feels good, but it's also you know, <laughs> um, gives you the confidence to charge $5,000 and pocket you know i guess if you keep the class size the same you, you could maybe pocket 25 grand in a week which is um you know those are decent rates those are getting getting up there yeah is is the value there that's the that's the question right like when, when you niche down and you get really small can you provide value you say there's a psychological component there yeah. i think my biggest psychological component is you know and will i be able to deliver that much value in that short a time I think we've yeah. proven it by running it for free and the feedback that we got has been fantastic and all the learning that we've done and the next iteration of the program we'll be offering will be uh, different, more streamlined, more focused. And, Do you and think it, can I ask you how you think of the value of this workshop? Um, I don't know if it's helpful, but I, I generally think of like the value of like building something, but there's also the value of insurance, of, try, of, of risk <clears throat> reduction. And sometimes those two get intertwined, but you can kind of think of them as separate. Do you see this workshop more as a risk reduction thing or more of a, this is the first step in building it right kind of thing? I think there's, there's two main components. There's the risk reduction you write there. Yeah. Um, being able to capture that idea and validate it. Like one of the things we do is talk about user validated wireframes, which I don't think people spend enough time on at all. Mm-hmm. We also give them some tools they can use to try and validate their idea before they even hire a developer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so risk is definitely there. That's a big component, but um, the value in education alone, just understanding, you know, maybe, maybe for somebody who's really new to software, talking about agile project management is going to be above their head mm-hmm. and probably gloss over that particular portion. But then for somebody who is already launched and already in development, learning of just what a daily standup is and mm-hmm. how to focus your, your team uh, on a micro level using the standup is pretty powerful information for them. 
I think you're going to be fine, Mike. I think that uh, <laughs> I think this thing's got more value than even you recognize at this point. If you don't mind me saying, oh, thanks. <laughs> it's um, it's just a uh, it, it's it's different. The, the value of providing advice or making helping your clients make decisions. And I'm not saying this to you. I'm just kind of saying this to the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it feels real weird and real different compared to building stuff day in and day out, you know, coding or writing or designing or, you know, whatever it is you do, that feels more concrete. Whereas the value of changing people's thinking or helping them make better decisions feels vaporous and squishy. And it's hard to feel like it has as much value, but sometimes it has more value. It, it, you know, you, you write a line of code today and maybe maybe it changes the way your company does business, but that's not going to happen to you every day that you work. You're not going to move that company forward every single day with one line of code. Right. So those, those moments are few and far between getting out from behind the keyboard. One of the pieces of advice I got was, you know, do something every day to move your business forward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. Oh, Mike, this is, um, it's sort of been the highlight of my day. Um, thank you for. <laughs> I wish I heard that all the time. <laughs> well, maybe if you get into teaching, you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I have to admit to a, a small bias in that I have a background in training and education. I've always had a soft spot for it because it just, for me, it ticks a lot of emotional check boxes. Um, but I'm just excited to see where you take this. And maybe it sounds like I should circle back in three months and we should have a kind of update conversation. Um, but you know regardless thank you for taking the time to share about this and you know the the struggles and um how you brought it to life can you uh i i'm pretty sure there's somebody who's going to be either interested in learning more about the workshop learning more about you copying your idea for the workshop or (laughs) just finding out more so where would you send folks to do any and all of those things Oh, yeah. So we've got a, a website put together uh, rather hastily, I might add, uh, at servem.com, C-E-R-V-E-M.com. You can read all about Operation Roadmap there. We've got a free book if you sign up for the mailing list on, I'm not sure which one we have on that mailing list right now. Um, but if you only get the one, I'll send out the other two for you pretty soon. Okay. Yeah. Great. So Servem, C-E-R-V-E-M. <clears throat> excuse me c-e-r-v-e-m dot com yep Whew. well mike thanks for taking the time to talk to me today it was just great really appreciate it thank you and thank you for putting that information out there for everybody you bet all right bye for now bye